Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Last year, Content Group hosted the first ever global GovComs festival. And on this very special episode of the GovComs podcast, we are going to replay for you one of my favourite interviews from the GovComs festival. And it was with Oscar Trimboli, the host of the award-winning podcast Deep Listening and the author of Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. Oscar is also a consultant to organisations such as Google, Qantas, News Corporation, PayPal and TripAdvisor. As a consultant, Oscar helps executive teams perfect their listening skills for the benefit of their customers and employees. In this interview, Oscar discusses the significance and importance of listening and how it can improve the results in your workplace. Communication is much more than just talking. It is all about listening. And as the old saying goes, communication is all about how it is received. So if you are keen on becoming a better listener, this is the podcast for you. Thanks for tuning in once again. And without further ado, I give you Oscar Trimboli. Oscar, welcome to the GovComs Festival. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm curious uh, to be listening to what everybody else out there will be thinking about. What kind of questions could we possibly ask about listening, but particularly as it relates to a virtual environment? Because I think uh, a lot of leaders in government have had to adjust really quickly to a new way of working and listening in a virtual environment like video conferencing has got some nuanced differences and yet some foundational similarities to listening in real life. So for a lot of leaders, the time I'm spending with them now is teaching them how to listen to what's not said, how to start listening very carefully for emotions, how to start listening for things like anxiety, how to start listening for frustrations that aren't being voiced by their teams because they don't have that same physical connection that they've had in the past. So that's what my clients are asking me for help on right now, Dan. So in terms of listening, like we can all walk or most of us can walk, we can all talk, we can all uh, run, we can all walk, we can all listen. How do we become better at listening? Yeah, I think even when it comes to breathing, we all say we can breathe, but there is a more efficient way to do it. There is a more effective way to do it. So when it comes to listening, most of us are being taught to focus on the speaker and make sure we're giving good eye contact, making sure we're paraphrasing back to what they said. And that's handy, but it doesn't start with a foundation. Most of us are turning up to a conversation with a whole bunch of browser tabs in our mind about the last meeting, the next meeting, what we should discuss in this meeting, what are the multiple permutations that could happen in this meeting, what should I have had for lunch, maybe what didn't I have for lunch, what did I have for morning tea, did I have enough coffee, Did I, oh, I should have had the tea. We've got all these browser tabs open up in our mind and the most important person we need to listen to first 
is ourselves. The most productive place to start listening is listening to ourselves. If we can shut down those browser tabs, we can actually become effective listeners because most of us turn up to a conversation completely distracted about the conversation because we haven't shut down our mind, we haven't settled, we haven't focused, we haven't become present. So for a lot of us, when we move that into video conference communication, we are literally jumping from one meeting to another. So even the opportunity to walk between one office and another has been reduced dramatically. And for those of us who are in offices at the moment, there's huge gaps in meeting rooms and the meetings feel pretty clunky compared to what they've been before. So I would say that the number one thing that everybody can do to increase their listening productivity is notice how many things are going on in your head right now. Because for most of us, we need to switch the notifications off on our devices. So the red dots and the bings and the, and the special messages that make us feel really important, we need to switch them off. Every device has got one. It's a, just a simple notification button. We can switch it off just during the meeting. You're really, really not that important. You could wait for the length of the meeting before somebody came and spoke to you. And by the way, if it was that important, they'd probably call you anyway. Three quick tips, switch the notifications off, drink a glass of water for every half an hour you're in a meeting and take three deep breaths before you go onto the video conference in through the nose, down to the bottom of your lungs, and then out through your mouth. And that'll send a signal to the part of the nervous system known as parasympathetic nervous system. It says, hey, David, everything's okay. You don't have to freak out about what's being discussed next. Just take your time. It'll all be good. So that's the starting point of listening. But most of us don't realize when we were inside our mother's womb at 20 weeks, we could hear our mum from any other sound. And at 32 weeks, we could distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi, from Justin Bieber. But the minute we come into the world, we scream to be noticed. That's how we're born on our birth certificate when we started screaming. And most of us need to adjust our listening to talk ratio so it's back somewhere near at a 50-50. Ironically, I've got to spend the rest of my life talking to improve the number of listeners in the world. <laughs> so when you talk about being a deep listener, what's mm. that? So active listening is a phrase some people might have heard about. Active listening is listening very carefully to what people are saying. Deep listening is listening very carefully to what people aren't saying. So if we understand the neuroscience of listening, we speak at 125 to 150 words a minute. And yet we can think at 900 words a minute. Most workplace conversations are happening with only 11% of the information. Little wonder we've got confusion, chaos and conflict in, in our workplaces, in our discourse, because people are only listening to the 11% that people say the first time. So deep listening is listening beyond the words that they say the first time. Deep listening is about simply asking somebody to tell you more. Ask them, and what else? Or finally, just pause. You use the magic of silence. In the West, we think about the awkward silence the pregnant pause, the deafening silence. Yet in high context cultures in the East, Korea, Japan, China, high context cultures like Maori and Aboriginal communities, silence is a very powerful way of listening. I'm not sure about you, David, but I'm sure that sometimes when you pause, 
people will use a phrase like, hmm, actually, now that I've thought about it a little longer, could we go over here? So I can see you're nodding furiously because it's happened for you. And at that moment, you are getting the next 125 words that people are thinking. The dirty little secret of listening is it's an easy thing to do if you focus on helping the speaker make sense of what they're thinking rather than trying to understand what they're saying. Because honestly, their mind is like a washing machine, washing clothes in a really sudsy place. And the first time they get the rinse cycle, which is when they speak, it's just their first stab at the idea. It may not be what they think. Mathematically, there's an 89% chance that what they say is not what they mean. And most of the conversations, whether they're on video conferences or in workplaces, we have projects that run over time. We have budgets that run over schedule, all because we're listening only to what people say rather than deeply listening to what they're not saying. And then how then can we improve that? How can, how can we learn these skills that you're describing to be better listeners? Because it, it seems to me that it must become a habit if you are going to be effective over the longer term. So is, is it just practice? Indeed, it's practice. It's the right kind of practice, though. You know, people always say practice will always improve, but you can go to the gym and lift weights the wrong way and you're doing the wrong kind of practice. I don't know about you, David. When I went to school, I had a maths teacher. I had an English teacher, but I definitely didn't have an English teacher. And I'm spending more of my day listening than I am doing maths. I'm spending more of my day listening than I am writing. And yet, for most of us, we don't have a very simple framework to think about how we improve our listening. There's five levels of listening. The level number one is listening to yourself. We've spent a bit of time talking about that. Level number two, listening to the content. That's not just what they say, but it's also what they're showing you in their body language, but it's also the emotions in their words. For a lot of us, we need to hear what they say, see what their body language is and sense what their emotions are. There's a big difference between me talking from this part of my throat or me talking from this part of my throat. But because most people's heads are buried in laptops or electronic devices, they wouldn't have even heard the nuanced difference in where I was speaking from before. So level two, listening to the content, it's multidimensional. There's three dimensions. Most of us see in color, but we listen in black and white. Level three, we're listening for the context. So this is the first time we're moving from listening to things for listening for things. The context is the backstory. The backstory is critical. Most of us turn up to a conversation about a project or an initiative, and it's like we've turned up to a movie 20 minutes in and we don't understand how all the characters fit together and why is everybody laughing at that particular punchline when I don't even know how that makes sense. A really simple phrase for all of us to practice to get better listeners at the backstory because it's going to unlock so much more potential is ask a simple question. Just take me back to when this idea started. Just take me back to when this initiative was launched. Just take me back to when this project was conceived and all of a sudden the bits of the listening jigsaw puzzle, the edges start to fall into place. Level four is listening for what's not said. We understand the neuroscience. We've spent a bit of time. 125 is my speaking speed. 900 is my thinking speed. And it's critical for you to simply practice three phrases. 
tell me more and what else and practice with silence. If you do that, you'll get those extra words out. Level five, listening for meaning. What do people really mean rather than what they say? And for many of us, if we can get to that level, we'll have a multi-generational impact. We'll have a very expansive impact, not just on what we do today, but what we do for future generations as well. But many of us in our research database of 1,400 listeners, David, they're stuck at level one. They're still stuck in their devices. So if there's one habit you want to improve, just switch notifications off. And if you want to be courageous, switch the devices off. You'd be amazed what will happen in that conversation. Our, our research tells us by people just switching off notifications, they get one extra hour back in their schedule every week because they're not having to repeat things. They're not having to go back to work in progress meetings because something wasn't listened to effectively. Who couldn't do with one extra hour a week? That's a great return for just switching the notification button to off on your devices. So what are some of the benefits that we achieve if we become better listeners? I think for most organisations, whether they're commercial entities, public sector entities, or whether they're for-purpose or non-for-profit entities, the three big things that consistently happen is you keep the stakeholders that you want, whether they're customers, whether they're citizens, whether they're voters, because you're hearing what they want and you're listening to what they need rather than what they say. You're delivering things on time and on budget rather than delivering something behind schedule or worse still, on time, on schedule, but you delivered the wrong thing because you weren't listening. So one of the big benefits is teams work together more effectively. There's no more confusion and conflict in the workplace. People are having the right conversations in the right forums with the right people rather than having car park conversations or kitchen conversations where they go, well, we didn't really talk about that in the last meeting. And the benefits ultimately, people getting more time back in their schedule because they're working on work that matters rather than coming back into meetings and going, here's what I've delivered. And the chair would say, but that's not what we asked you to do. And then there's a rework involved or we haven't consulted all the constituent stakeholders. And as a result, when we get to implementation, our implementation is flawed and the benefits we're trying to realise as a community, as a country, are not fully realising their potential. So for many of us, the biggest upside for listening is just getting a little bit more time back in our calendar because we're doing the work we want to do and it's the work other people want us to do as well. Why is it that listening is perhaps the, the poor cousin of communication when you think of how much time and effort and energy goes into helping people to be better presenters, to be, be, mm. to be better speakers, to be better actors? Why is it that your side of the, uh, of the business is, is not as popular? Yeah, it, it intrigues me because we've done some research about Google searches for training and in all English speaking markets around the world, Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, the United States, in all these markets, there is a hundred to one differential for people searching for speaker training versus listening training. 
And I think the 20th century has been really biased towards broadcast communication. If you think about social media, it's created a way to broadcast things faster. If you think about the radio, the TV, all these devices were created in the 20th century to broadcast more. I think the 20th century had a big command and control structure in place, whether that's in governments, whether that's in organisations. But as we see that flatten in the 21st century, curiosity and creativity is sparked by listening and it's sparked by listening beyond the words. So to be honest, David, I have no idea why you people aren't spending more time learning to listen, but I can tell you the cost of you not doing that. That's great employees who leave before they want to. That's frustrated citizens and voters who don't believe governments are delivering what they want. So just for a 10% improvement in your listening, I know you'll get at least an hour back a week in your schedule. And whether you're in the public service or you're in a commercial enterprise, who wouldn't want to get an extra hour back in their schedule a week? So just in terms of listening and, you know, creating meaning from your listening, Mm. if you're, you know, there's so many data sources that are coming at us in all sorts of different forms in all different ways, how, how should we manage all of that? You know, how, how do we synthesize the, the listening with the, with the watching, we, you know, with what we see, with what we touch, with what we feel? How do we bring the symphony together to be as effective as we possibly can? Yeah, there's three levels of that. There's the individual conversation, the team conversation, and the system conversation. And Jim McNamara does an awesome job of explaining how systems need to listen to each other, governments to governments, corporations to corporations, and listen out. He's going to do an awesome job in his presentation in speaking to that. But as individuals and as teams, where I spend every day all around the world working with leaders on, the the critical thing we need to do to simplify our listening is to actually just be present ourselves. Most of us don't shut down those browser tabs, David, before we get to the conversation. Everybody wants the ninja black belt move of jujitsu when it comes to listening. And my wish for the world is that they just switch off the notification drink a glass of water every half an hour and take three deep breaths before they get into the conversation. And our people in our research database, we've been tracking for three years, just those three things can increase their listening productivity by up to 40%. But consistently, everybody asks me, what's the special move? Yeah, 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 they're basics, Oscar. And my message to all of us is, let's do the basics. Once we do the basics and master those, then we can access the others. The level of complexity moving up the model is really high if you've got all these browser tabs bouncing around in your head. I think for me, it all came together when I was speaking in front of a pharmaceutical company that was manufacturing on a site. It was about 500 employees on the site and I was brought in to talk about listening about three years ago. And David, I don't know about you, have you ever walked into an organization and you can feel the atmosphere kind of dripping from the air conditioning duct? It was really thick, it was tense. There was 83 people managers in this room and my host CEO was over to my left and I was talking about listening, but at the 20 minute mark, I just felt I needed to stop. 
I turned to the CEO and said, look, with your permission, I need to try something different. And honestly, with contempt dripping from every syllable, he said, if you must. And all that was going through my head is I'm definitely not getting paid for this one. So I said to the room, hey, just have a bit of fun for the next five minutes. Have a chat to your partners who are sitting on either side of you, your work colleagues. What movie's going on on this site right now? And the room explodes into uproarious laughter. The tension's broken. The CEO stomps across on stage, makes a point of switching my microphone off, and he goes, you got two more minutes, then get off. It's like, okay, rightio. So I bring the group back and I say, hey, Kay, tell me the movie names. And the movie names were like Titanic and Towering Inferno and every plane crash movie you've ever thought of. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching this CEO step closer to me. He takes my mic off me. He pushes me off stage. And what he did next really shocked me. He stood in front of his team and almost bowed and said, I'm really sorry coming to work with me is a disaster. Oscar's shown me something that he's heard in 20 minutes. And we've been struggling with this problem for the best part of 34 days. Now, I, David, I have no idea what this problem is, by the way. He says, the most useful thing I think I can do is sit down and listen to the rest of you and maybe we can make a breakthrough on this problem. Oscar, for the next 40 minutes, do what you wish. It's like, oh, wow, I've gone from if you must to do what you wish. And he sat down in this place of curiosity and humility. And I said to the room, who aren't we listening to? And the universal answer was the production line workers. And what had happened, David, was three weeks earlier, a frontline production worker had reported the problem with a pipe in the production process. And they put, brought it up in their daily meeting and the managers said, we can't stop, it's too expensive to slow down the production line. Now it's a $38 pipe. Now their daily production volumes is millions of dollars. So when you get it in proportion, yeah, don't do that. But because they didn't listen to this frontline worker they had $10 million worth of stock they couldn't release because it wasn't up to the quality standard. It had impurities in it. So for me, if I didn't help that group have the permission to say to their boss, coming to work for you every day is a disaster, I don't think he would have had the humility to come to the group and say, let's listen to the frontline workers. And you see, for a lot of organizations, it's who they're not listening to rather than who they're listening to. There's the difference between good and great listening. And I think for many of us, whether that's at home or at work, it's what are the conversations we're really not listening to because we're distracted or so confused about what we want out of the conversation. So for most of us, deep listening starts with ourselves, it finishes with ourselves, but always ask yourself the question, whether you're in government, whether in your commercial sector, who is it that we're not listening to? Because quite often they can derail great initiatives and great ideas. That key word for mine there is that humility, is, mm. is having that ability to, to know that you're not the smartest person in the room and know that everybody around you in the room, in the meeting has got something to say. How do you breed that? into a team how do you get that to take hold such that people genuinely you know engage in a humble way 
such that they can discover you know, the best of their people to get the best performance out of them. Yeah, I'm often brought into board meetings. I'm often brought into committee meetings. I'm often brought into safety meetings. I'm often brought into audit meetings. I'm often brought into review meetings where there is anywhere between six and 12 people in the room. And the first tip I always give the chair or the leaders that I'm working with, does everybody need to be there? And they always say, yes, yes, yes. And then I say, if they do, then you need to hear from all of them. How are you going to orchestrate that? I think really skilled chairs, really skilled leaders are deliberate about pulling out from everybody on a particular topic. Now, that's not to this point that they're going to be pedantic about it. If there's 12 people in the room, we're going to go around every time for 12 but a really skillful leader will know how to bring others in to listen to their perspective. And I think what differentiates the really robotic leader from the really skillful leader is they carefully curate competing perspectives on an idea. They're not just looking for the group think. So when they're bringing other people into the discussion, they're often in a space where they're trying to get ideas to become better sometimes through competition, but usually through contrast. Sometimes leaders and teams get stuck in, it's either A or it's B, it's either red or it's blue, it's either one or it's two. And what the skillful leader goes, it might be A and it might be B, but could we explore C? And can C create D? And in a lot of cases, it's the skillful leader that's noticing who's in deep contemplation and how do they bring that out? What I've noticed with really skillful leaders, we, we often hear about this uh, introverts and extroverts. We almost make it a competition in the workplace when it comes to listening. And we think introverts are the best listeners and extroverts are the best speakers. Not always true. But one of the things I encourage people to do if they're working on something that's complex or something that requires collaboration or maybe creativity or maybe it's constrained, is ask the people to collect their thoughts by themselves before they speak it out aloud. Because there's a good chance that when they write down the idea, they'll think about it a little bit more deeply. And what they say coming out of their mouth will be the 300 words rather than the first 125 words there. So I think, David, it's a skillful leader that's going to curate a conversation that creates contrast. They're really careful about listening for similarities and listening for differences. So just in to wrap it up, um, again, I love those basic tips of, you know, closing the browser down, making sure you take a glass of water and the deep breaths to get yourself ready and, you know, reaching for that level five of being able to ask, you know, tell me more what else, and using that, that powerful pause. But as we close, what other sort of key advice would you give to the audience of government communicators around the world? Uh, what advice would you give them uh, in terms of listening? For my consulting work over the last four years, the thing that's come up systemically is the inability of systems to collect complaints and act on them. Collecting a complaint is hearing. Taking action is listening. Commissions of inquiry all around the world consistently shine a light on the inability for you to systemically listen 
to issues that are being recorded in your organization, whether that's through the telephone, whether that's through a website, whether that's a face-to-face -face meeting and synthesize those into an action plan. And those are only two steps. The third part is the other part that's often missed in government communications is closing the loop to say, we heard your complaint, here's what we've done about it and communicate the progress of that implementation plan. Too often we miss that last step, communicate the implementation plan consistently so that the milestones are visible to particularly the people who've complained rarely do communicators in government do a great job of actually going back to the initial constituents who are the most vocal, who will be the ones who participate in commissions of inquiry and tell them personally what the governments are doing about making progress on those issues. They rely way too heavily on broadcast media rather than a very simple tailored telephone conversation or a face-to-face -face meeting to say, we heard you say this, we have taken this initiative. There are three steps in the implementation. We are now at step two. Is that addressing your initial issue? They will then become advocates and speak very passionately about the fact that these public sector organizations are not only hearing, but they're listening and acting on it as well. And I think that's what will differentiate good corporate communicators in the public sector from great ones going forward. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, great insights from Oscar Trimboli and a, a real feature and something that we don't often think about as much as we should as to how well we're going to listen. So perhaps take some of that advice from Oscar as you go through your preparation for your work over the next few weeks and months and see if you can become a better listener. And thanks again for Oscar for contributing to the inaugural GovComs Festival. If you are interested in listening to or watching more of the content from the GovComs Festival, please go straight to the GovComs Institute website where you can find some of the recordings from the event. And in the weeks and months ahead, we will continue to publish that very valuable content for your benefit. So tune in in a fortnight's time for the next episode of the GovComs podcast. Until then, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. 